Podcast City Network. Welcome. This is the Rip Griffin Show Podcast, a baseball podcast for baseball fans of all ages. Now, here's your host, Rip Griffin. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show. This is episode number 79. Before we get into tonight's episode, just want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let us know how we are doing, and you can leave a comment, leave a voicemail, whatever it is that you want to do, head on over and subscribe to the show. So, But with that, tonight, I am joined by Mac from Overtime Heroics. Mac, how's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me on again, Rip. Absolutely, man. As, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, having the guys on just to talk some baseball. Getting a little started late tonight, but that's okay. We had some technical difficulties just trying to get things sorted away before we, get, we got the show on the road. But um, a couple of things I wanted to touch on. First of all, you guys have a podcast called the Cheap Seats, Cheap Seats Chatter. How long have you guys been doing that? Uh, so we started Cheap Seats Chatter, I'm pretty sure, back over the summer. I know the first time I appeared on it was um in i'd like to say mid-september um yeah we basically just talk baseball kind of similar to what we do uh we do here but uh yeah we just talk like all things baseball we try to record uh once a week and uh yeah that's it's also fun being on that too that's awesome man i I just picked it up today so i was like holy cow this is awesome so i i downloaded it started listening to it you guys are doing a, f- a phenomenal job uh so alex and there was another guy that was on the show uh yeah joe, joe bork okay yeah uh, i think we've talked to alex a couple of times i think he's in the group chat with overtime heroics but uh i don't believe i talked to the to the other guy so uh it was great you, you guys are going back and forth some good banter which was awesome so uh definitely check that out they can find that on all the major podcast platforms as well uh I think it's mainly just on Spotify and Apple. Uh, we don't have a YouTube channel. We don't really use video, but um, yeah, you can find us on Spotify and on uh, Apple Podcasts. Cool, man. So definitely, once you're done checking out this show, definitely check out the other, y'all show. Oh, and you can also <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at oth underscore cheap seats. Okay, awesome. Definitely, I'll put that in the show notes as well. But uh, some things we had on tap for tonight's episode. Um, there was a actually in our group chat with OTH, someone had posted something about uh, minor leaguers, and there's a Twitter page called Advocates for Minor Leaguers that these guys are trying to advocate to try to help these guys, you know, get better pay, which is one of the things that a lot of things that we hear about. I mean, we don't normally hear about it, you know, in the media or in the news. It's more of behind the scenes type issue that these guys aren't getting paid a whole lot. And one of the things that I've, that I picked up just, just recently is that there's a lot of issues going on at the alternative, alternative training sites. These guys are being forced to pay for the hotels. They're being forced to pay for their own, uh, their food. They're not getting any sort of, you know, stipend for, for meal money like they're supposed to. So these guys don't make a whole lot of money, right? They are, are, trying to get by the best they can and trying to make it to the big leagues. You still there? 
Yeah, no, I thought you froze for a second. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I've been I'm looking like I'm kind of glitchy. So, but yeah. what, what do you think about this? What do you think about these guys, you know, not getting paid a whole lot? Oh, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, this goes from the low minor leagues to AAA. I mean, I think that these guys deserve so much better. I mean, these guys, they work their tails off. Uh, they're playing professional sports for a living. And, you know, some people may be like, oh, they're professional athletes. They've probably got tons of money. You know, look at all these guys. Some of them get like millions of dollars right when they get drafted. But clearly these guys, some of them struggle to pay rent even. I mean, these guys, Ty Kelly, who uh, was a career minor leaguer, he got over 1,000 hits in the minors. He finally made the big leagues with the Mets in 2016. He's very vocal on um, on Twitter and on all social media about how rough his uh, how rough it was. Um you know, playing in the minors, it's, it, it, it's like, you know, the majors, people get millions of dollars and yes, they, they're able to live at least somewhat luxurious lifestyles. But clearly when you're playing the minors, you, some people have to work other jobs still. And that was the thing back in like the early 20th century. Yes. People had to work side jobs, but these guys, some of them, you know, I was listening to a podcast recently. uh, It was actually during one of my classes about a guy who, he is an Uber driver, and uh, okay. he was talking to one of his dri- his um, his passengers, and he was like, you know, they were talking, and it's like, well, um, you know, I play professional baseball, but I have to drive an Uber just to make more money. I think, you know, this shouldn't be the case. I mean, if they want to work a side job, like gr- like go for it, but it shouldn't be the case where they have to just so they're able to, you know, pay rent like have food for some people support a family it this shouldn't be the case right no i i agree 100 and a lot of these guys it's almost like if you don't or or should i say if you're not a first or second round maybe even possibly a third rounder because you get that large bonus money that you know it makes it really hard to to go through the the whole minor league system because like you mentioned some guys turn into career minor leaguers and then some will fast track it and then they're they're making it to the to the, the big leagues in a couple of years but i think one instance there was i think Colin McHugh and uh, his wife had posted like one of his check stubs from the minor leagues and it was i mean Bare minimum, at least. I mean, these guys make maybe you know fifteen thousand a year, which is definitely not a whole lot to live off of, especially when you're trying to raise a family as well. And then on top of that, you know, the living conditions are not that great. You're living in a hotel. Uh, you're riding a bus that's probably you know twenty years old, maybe. I don't know. I mean, this this is not uh, you know Bull Durham or anything like that, but you know something very similar to that and. I think these guys, I mean, these, we had, there's a lot of talk that the owners, the owners make, have so much money that they could probably afford to pay these guys a little bit more. And I I really think that they can, honestly, I just think that, do you think that maybe the owners are just, you know, uh, penny pinchers? Honestly, they might be. Um, I don't want to accuse them of being so, but like, right. you know, there are owners who are who are known to be cheap, and um, you know, maybe they're just you know, they you know they think of minor leaguers as as lesser people. 
Um, I'm not really sure if that's the case, but like, it's, it's honest. It's, it's really sad. I mean, I remember uh, in that same podcast I was listening to, uh, I forget the player's name, but he was talking about when he got his first paycheck and it was like $400. It was like, I don't know. He got them like once a month or something. And he was like, no, this can't be right. Like they're missing a digit or something. And then he went through (laughs) like a, uh, a friend who, who's like one of their relatives is like a lawyer or something and they're straight up like no that's how much you're gonna make and it's sad and also like i've heard about like the travel conditions i mean yeah you know major league teams they get flown on either private planes or they fly charter but for my the minor leagues most teams have to take buses everywhere from what i've heard no i've heard stories about uh, teams doing like 16 hour bus rides to get to games, which that's like, I, I, I've never heard of this situation, even maybe in college sports sometimes, but I rarely hear of that situation. The fact that these guys are professional athletes and still have to go through that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this is the 21st century. This isn't the 20th century anymore. No, you're exactly right. And it's these guys put their bodies on the line game in and game out and the rigors of the game, I mean, to be able to have to sit there and go through that long of a bus ride is, is truly taxing. And I can see why a lot of these players tend to, you know, call it quits after a couple of years because, A, obviously the money is just not there. And B, you know, why put your body through all that extra turmoil? Because it makes it harder to play the game, you know, waking up in the morning when you're, you're sad. I mean, well, you're probably sad because you're not getting paid a whole lot, but you're achy. Um, you know, one of the things I read, you know, a book by uh, Chipper Jones that, you know, you kind of already have this idea that when you get up in the morning and you can't move and you can't do things, you know, like you used to, then that's probably time to call it quits. And you've lose, you've lost the love of the game. And that's where a lot of these guys, you know, they don't last very long in the minor leagues. It's not because they don't have the skill set, because obviously they do, because they were drafted and they play professional baseball. But they just, you know, can't sit there and go through all of this uh behind the scenes stuff and you know the game the love of the game is lost and unfortunately that's you know they have to call their their career to quit and it's it's sad that these guys have to go through this you know i i'm a firm believer i think you know these guys can probably live off you know maybe 30 or 40,000 a year that's uh depending on what kind of career you get coming out of college I mean, you can. That's a that's a good starting living living wage. It's not minimum wage, but you can still make ends meet. You can still pay pay your bills, put food on the table for your family, things of that nature. And I think it's fair. I think the owners can afford it. Um, but it's just it's just sad. And when I came across this this the site on Twitter, I mean, just some of the things that you know they they talk about, you know, it's, uh, you know, players having to pay for their own meals and the conditions and all that stuff. It's just unfortunate. And anything we can do here on the show to kind of advocate for minor leaguers, I'm, I'm all for it. I would like to help these guys as best as I can, uh, to try to, you know, get them some, some, some money, some, uh, a good pay raise, a good living wage. 
So, I don't know. It's just heartbreaking just to kind of talk about it and just to, to read this stuff. It's it's real troubling for. Yeah. And I remember, I think, I can't, I think it was this spring or maybe it was last spring. There's something about how, you know, the, um, uh, the Mets, like they, they're, they'd have their spring training facility in Port St. Lucie, but there was like a part of the, they, they like wouldn't let the minor leaguers use the same locker room that the major league guys were using, which is like, well, aren't they, aren't they part of the organization? Like, right. aren't they part of the team? Should they, shouldn't they get the same access? But I mean, yeah, I, I, any, I, I really, I, I do advocate, for, I would advocate for, um, making, you know, making this job, uh, much more, you know, bearable, you know, like you said, you know, you're going to go through all sorts of pain. I mean, being an athlete, any sport really it's, it's grueling. And, uh, you know, these guys really do deserve better. I mean, not everyone is, you know, blessed to be drafted in the first round or in the second round where you can get all sorts of money. Like, you know, the top guys, I think get like $8 million in signing bonus, like what about the guys who maybe don't get drafted or guys who get drafted in the later rounds who aren't as uh, highly touted? Like they probably, you know, fight tooth and nail just to stay on the roster, just to still have a job and they get right. treated just like so poorly. Um, yeah. that it, it, it is really sad to see that that's the case still. Yeah. I, I interviewed a, a former prospect in the New York Yankees organization, uh, last summer, he had been drafted. He was supposed to be drafted, you know, kind of in the earlier rounds, but kind of fell into the later rounds. He was a 38th round pick by the Yankees back in 2014, and he was a pitcher. So, I mean, you know, a, a lot of draftees are more the are some are position players, but a lot of teams go really pitcher heavy because of you know depth, really. And uh, he just kind of went through the you know the rookie ball leagues and then the new york pen league and then he kind of just flamed out after that you know and it was because of i mean he came up with guys like aaron judge and um gary sanchez but you know he he said that the grueling atmosphere of the minor leagues was so tough that it, it just he, he couldn't take it anymore uh, it's not because you know he, he flamed out. It's just because there's just so much competition, you know. And the pay wasn't. Uh, I think he maybe got like a two hundred fifty dollars signing bonus, which is it. It, it, it stings. It, it makes you kind of cringe a little bit because that's that's rough. You know, to sit there and to play this game on pennies southern dollar and to you know get a bonus that will kind of help you know temporarily, but. I'd like to kind of start getting into advocating for more minor leaguers to try to get them more, uh, more pay, more, more, I mean, benefits, things like that, things that you need, the necessities that you need to, to survive now. That's where I think that this is, uh, where we need to head, especially in this game, in this sport that we both loved. I know both you and I both are, are very, uh, fans of, of baseball. And so I, I think it's just unfortunate that these guys are uh, having to go through this. So, but uh, that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I kind of came about in uh, just this past week that uh, I wanted to touch on 
But kind of one of the other things I kind of want to change gears just a little bit. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the COVID issue in, in Major League Baseball because we're seeing teams like the Twins that had an outbreak of positive test and they had to postpone a couple games. We saw, I believe it was the New York Mets, I think, had to post, postpone. I think they, and the Nationals as well. Am, am I right? I, I may be. It was, their, it was their opening series, yeah. It was supposed right. to be against the Nationals. Right. So they had positive tests, and they had to postpone. But teams like the Astros and the Tigers, they had to play their game, even though there was a positive test. So what are your thoughts? Is it based on the severity of the situation, or is it just Major League Baseball wanting to uh, you know, say you can – Basically, I don't want to. I don't want to put words in Major League Baseball's mouth, but uh, kind of put it in a term that maybe they just uh, aren't too sympathetic to the Astros. No, I think it really is a case by case basis. I remember hearing about the Nationals outbreak the night before Opening Day was supposed to be played, and it sounded like it was just like on a one player. You know, we'll see what happens. And then it turned out that it was about, I think it was five or something had tested positive or five were deemed to have been a close. It was like five to seven had been deemed to be close contacts or something like that. And I'm pretty sure the twin situation was similar. Um, I mean, I think, you know, my issue with this whole thing was um, I remember when it happened to the Mets and the Mets had to have their opening series postponed. I was. Um, pr- I was not happy with the situation. Um, what I think it is is that you know they they have these taxi squads for a reason. You know, they're these guys who you can call up at any point and bring them right to the roster. I mean, if you got, I mean, I I guess it's a different situation than when a guy gets injured. But you know, if you don't have a certain amount of players, you're supposed to be able to fill them, in my opinion. Um. If this is if that's it's a situation though where clearly a lot of it's more than just like two people who are affected, then I understand. Like it makes sense that you aren't able to play your series. But if it's just like a couple people, then I think you should be able to call guys up and play your games. I mean, you know, if you're if you're without your superstar, then what well, sorry, you're without your superstar, but um you know, it really it really depends on the severity of it. Um, you know, if if half your roster has COVID or half your roster needs to quarantine, then I understand why you have to um, postpone your games. But in reality, I feel like you know MLB is trying to avoid having so many postponements because we saw cases like the Marlins last year who oh, yeah. basically didn't play for two weeks straight, and I think they don't want that to happen again. So, you know, I think. If they make teams play, they make teams play. Um, if they don't, and it's clear like like a team is badly affected, then I understand why uh, why they can't play. Right? No, that that makes one hundred percent sense because you know there is a lot of back and forth between a lot of fan bases, you know, claiming you know why why is this team playing but these guys are not and. I think even Major League Baseball, like you mentioned, came out and said it kind of depends on the on the severity of the situation. One or two, they can they can deal with it, but when it gets to a certain amount, like five, then that's when you know things have to kind of 
be taken into consideration as far as the health and safety of all the players. Of course, I mean, you got the fans as well that are in the stands. So I can understand that aspect of it. It's just one of those things that was kind of just very interesting, you know, to uh, especially just the the banter back and forth, um, you know, especially with the Astros situation. They lost a lot of their key players and it suffered and it's it was it was rough there for a while. A lot of a lot of fans were wanting to jump off the band, the bandwagon already, but uh, I can I can understand why Major League Baseball is doing what they're doing now because that makes more sense uh, to I mean especially to, to start the season and you know uh, you brought up the Marlins situation last year I think the same thing was with the Cardinals as well where you know guys were you know n- not to say they weren't doing anything that they weren't supposed to but. I, at that time, it was more of learning about what this pandemic and what everything in this situation, learning from it and what we can do to grow from it and become more educated. And I think we're seeing a little bit better job this this season, not as many um, postponements, if that's the case. They did bring in the seven inning double headers, which I think that's kind of great for this situation that we're in because it'll, it'll allow players to still play the game but can still rest and whatnot and not be so uh taxed come you know it's we're looking for a full season so it's definitely one of those things that i i can i definitely understand where this is all coming from so um it was just interesting it was just one of those things that um i noticed and and a lot of people were kind of going back and forth so I will say, um, you know, I remember, I think it was last year, the the thing with the, the Cardinals um, incident, I'm pretty sure it was they went out to, if I'm not mistaken, they went out to a club after right. a game or something, and they ended up having a bunch of positive cases, and they didn't play for a while. I mean, um, if that's the case, and they're being just being very careless, then I understand why, you know, they... Honestly, if that's the case, I would make them play as like a, well, you guys were disregarding protocols and you can't play with your superstars now. Well, play with what you got. That's sort of my thinking. If I'm if I'm being honest, I think that is a bigger, I guess, a I don't know if I want to call it a punishment, but that, in my opinion, might be a bigger punishment than postponing games because at that point, you're being unfair to your opponent, I think, by postponing those games because they may have done nothing wrong. They might not have any cases, but um, then they have to play, you know, double headers and stuff. Um, I think that, you know, if you lose five or six players, but, you know, they went out to clubs, they did what Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak did last year, then in that case, you might as well just you might as well just yeah, give up. Like, you know, you might, you might as well play your games of what you got. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say that that's just, that's what I think uh, should happen. Yeah. That's a good, interesting point there. Um, you know, major league baseball did come out this, this season and kind of gave these guys a little bit more leeway and kind of a little less restrictions. They were able to kind of, now that some of them are, getting vaccinated and getting their, um, their, their, their shots. So 
they're kind of able to kind of have a little bit more freedom. They can go out to restaurants and whatnot, things that they couldn't do last season. They were kind of more confined to their hotels. Uh, their families are allowed to, to travel with them now, so that kind of definitely helps. I know it's uh, these guys are on the road, you know, 82 games a year, or, excuse me, 81 games uh, a year. So there's a, a lot of traveling involved, and to kind of bring your family along definitely helps kind of make things feel more like home. So I can understand that aspect. So a little bit more freedom that Major League Baseball is giving these players, which is great. But they still need to be cautious and still need to be careful as to, you know, who they're being around and, you know, the contact tracing. I think are they still wearing the the little GPS monitors that they were were wearing in spring training? I, I honestly was wasn't really aware that they were wearing those. <laughs> um, I don't know if they are. Um, honestly. I think that if they are, um, I think it's a little, it's a lot. I mean, if they are getting tracked like that, but, um, you know, in my opinion, as, as long as they're not like, if they're, you know, going out, but being like cautious, like, you know, not going, you know, if they go out to eat with their family or something, that's like one thing, but they're going out to, you know, if they're going clubbing and stuff and clearly, <laughs> clearly disregarding um, you know, safety protocols, then that's where we, that's where we run into trouble. And, uh, I think that's definitely the the biggest area where I think they need to, the, the league really, really needs to be careful with that. Right. Exactly. I think, uh, uh, there's still a lot of issues and a lot of things that major baseball is still learning about this whole pandemic thing. And I think rightfully so they're doing a great job as far as trying to, allow these guys to play um get a full season in try to keep it as normal as possible for these guys because you know like i like i mentioned this little while ago it's all about feeling like you're you're at home and to have your families and to be able to go out and a lot of these guys like to go out and explore the cities that they're in play golf you know do whatever it is that they do before game time and to kind of have that kind of kind of sets the mood gives a different tone uh, for these guys. So major league baseball is trying. I, I will give them that. I, I am one of those that I do harp on major league baseball and how they conduct themselves and how they do things and accountability, all that good stuff. But I, I think they're, they're trying. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. So uh, I'm not going to crap on them too much on this episode. You know, later on something else happens. I will for sure. But, <laughs> but uh uh, that was just one of those things I just found interesting that, you know, some teams were playing, some were not, but it makes perfect sense now that it all depends on the situation and the severity of the situation. So, but uh, kind of one of the things I kind of want to jump into kind of the last couple of segments that we got here. Uh, one of the, or actually two kind of key surprises this season so far. First is the Oakland Athletics jumping onto a 11 game win streak. Maybe if we're talking about it, we might jinx it. If A's fans, I apologize, but the A's are after they started off one and seven have gone on and won their last 10. So now they're what 11 and seven now. Are they 12? They, they've won 11 in a row. Actually, they won. Okay. They won a really, uh, a wacky one yesterday. They, I believe it, the score was, uh, 
think it was 13 to 12 or 14 to 13. It was, it was a slugfest against the, the Twinkies. And then uh, it was 13 to 12 was the final score. And it went into 10 innings. And that was on a double air from the Twins that actually allowed the A's to win the game, which was so surprising. But it's just imagine yeah, how they started off in such a slump, but now all of a sudden that they're they're taking off. So let me ask you this. Do you think this team is a legitimate contender to win the West again this year? Um, I mean, the AL West isn't a very strong division. That's the thing. Is that in that division, you look at what they got right now. Um, you know, the Astros started out hot. They've cooled down. The Rangers are just uh, – the Rangers, I don't think, are a very strong team. They they aren't very well put together. They're not – they're very young. They don't have a lot of pieces. So the Rangers, not so much. The Mariners have sort of got off to a nice start. But, again, I don't know. Um, you know, my, my buddy Alex on uh, the, the, the Cheap Seats podcast, he um, – he, uh, you know, he's a Mariners fan. He even admitted that the Mariners are sort of in that pretenders phase right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the Angels, the Angels have offense, but they don't really have pitching. Uh, you know, the A's, I think, do have a shot to win the West again. I know at the beginning of the season, a lot of us were picking the Astros. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros do still win it. But looking up and down this uh, A's team, I mean, you know, they're doing this, you know, while Matt Chapman is hitting 179, he's not really doing much. Sean Murphy's hitting 158 with a 649 OPS. I mean, as a whole, they only have a 718 OPS. And they're, if I'm looking at this right, they scored 90 runs. So, I mean, they're third in the AL in scoring. Uh, that's an average of just under five runs per game. And their ERA is 4.71, which is 13th in the league. And really, their starting pitching outside of Sean Maniah has been pretty pretty weak. Um, right. I think that you know they're definitely a contender. I think um, Matt Olson has been tearing the cover off the ball. Jed Lowry, after he uh, got all of uh, seven at bats, uh, sorry, seven plate appearances with the Mets and zero hits over <laughs> over his two year contract. Um, He's off to a great start. He's 323 with a 916 OPS. You know, Marcana's hitting well. The A's, they haven't really, I feel like they haven't even hit their their full stride yet. I mean, some of their key guys are underperforming. I think that if the A's get everyone clicking, they 100% can win the division again. It's also, will the rest of the division pick up? Uh, we don't know. But I think as of right now, I think the A's have the best shot of winning the division. They're definitely the surprise so far. This, even though we are, uh, you know, nineteen games into the season, so we're we're a little little over three weeks into the season already, and the the slump that they started in, and then all of a sudden they've gotten so hot, you know, winning their last you know ten in a row. Uh, it's just amazing how they have quickly just done a complete 180 now like th this is a long season it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon and it's just a, a matter of time if these guys can still maintain this intensity and and continue this progress um there's a couple of things that have been going around twitter that uh i don't know something about candy corn uh either <laughs> it's it's a good luck charm or a bad luck charm i don't know um 
But whatever it is that they're doing, if the, if it is candy corn, hey, you know, keep eating. I know it's not the best, but hey, if it brings you good luck. But uh, one of the 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 other surprises this uh, so far are the New York Yankees. Everybody had pegged these guys to be atop of the division so quick, and it's been a role reversal because the Boston Red Sox are sitting here at twelve and seven right now. And the Yankees are sitting at 11, uh, 7 and 11 in last place. So is it too quick for Yankees general manager Brian Cashman to kind of, you know, kick things in gear and kind of shake up this lineup a little bit, maybe do a trade here or there? I mean, you know, it is, it's the New York mindset, you know. As soon as the team starts underperforming, I see this – as a Mets fan all the time, uh, as soon as someone starts underperforming, it's hit the panic button, hit the panic button. Um, I honestly, I just look at the Yankees and I, I thought they were overhyped coming into the season. They're a very talented bunch. Don't get me wrong, but you take a look at their starting rotation. Look, their bullpen has been fantastic this year. Um, Chapman is mowing guys down. Uh, Loisaga, Green, Sessa, and O'Day have all been fantastic. Uh, Michael King has been really good when he's been up. Uh, Justin Wilson has been battling some injuries, but he's really good. You know, outside of like Lucas Lukey and Nick Nelson, for the most part, their bullpen has been fantastic. Um, their rotation outside of Garrett Cole has been awful. Um, right. J- Jordan Montgomery, 4.24, not good. Corey Kluber has really shown signs of age. He's 35 and he, he he's just completely lost all of his velocity on his pitches. Uh, Jamison Tyone, again, he, you know, he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He's looked kind of rough. His ERA is also at five, four. And then Domingo Herman, who I'm not really sure how Domingo Herman still has a job. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been suspended for domestic violence in the past and has shown that he's, just is like a, he's just not a good person you know he probably shouldn't be employed but um he's been awful also this year he got lit up again tonight uh th- their pitching rotation just isn't uh it's not gonna cut it and um you know if they're if the yankees you know expect to contend they really are gonna need to shake things up because this rotation is not gonna cut it and their offense aaron judge has an 859 ops other than that, out of all their regulars, nobody has an OPS above above 750 even. Uh, Kyle Higashioka has been getting part-time play. He's doing really well in his part-time play. But everyone else, Sanchez has been uh, struggling. LeMahieu is struggling. I said right away that, that you know giving a six-year contract to a guy who's 32 already was a mistake. And he's already off to a kind of an iffy start. Urshela has been iffy Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier have both been awful Stan keeps striking out I mean they're just a mess right now um I think that they definitely need to do something to shake up their lineup but I'm not really sure what that is um they have a ton of talent I mean Luke Voigt is injured right now but right now they I don't know what it's going to take for them to get going they're just they're struggling in outside their bullpen basically in all aspects of their game yeah, one of the things I heard, uh, this was maybe on MLB radio or something, that Brian Cashman should trying to 
or make a trade with the Colorado Rockies to get Trevor Story and uh, John Gray or Sonny Gray? John John Gray? Is it, He's on the Rockies. Okay. I, I always get those two confused, whether it's uh, it's the last name, first name. But anyways, that they should trade, the Yankees should trade Glaber Torres to the Rockies for Story and Gray. That might shake up this lineup just a little bit to kind of, you know, tell these guys that, you know, if things are don't change, that there's going to be, uh, you know, more people are going to be brought in to help boost this team. And that's something that would shake up that lineup. Jets, I mean, it's the Yankees lineup. It's the Yankees where, like you mentioned, it's we we always expect them to be at the top every year, especially with the, the addition of Garrett Cole. Because Cole can't do it all himself, and they definitely need to bring in better pitching. Uh, Kluber and Tyon, I, 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 I was scratching my head when they brought those two guys in. One guy that had been injured and Tommy John, of course he dealt some other with some health issues and Kluber barely pitched last season after an injury. So it just did not make sense. And I think we're starting to see that kind of come into play because uh, the Yankees were relatively quiet this off season because not that they didn't have the money to spend because they always spend the money. It's just Cashman just didn't want to, add or bring in a key pieces. And I think we're starting to see the effect of that now, considering that they are seven and 11 right now. And, you know, they're four and a half games out of first place behind the first place, Boston Red Sox, which are a complete shock. I, I know to me, I had these guys pegged towards the bottom part, maybe middle part of the division. And here they are sitting at 12 and seven right now and have won, you know, the last six out of out of ten, it's uh, definitely a different uh, feel that we're getting out of the American League East right now. It's going to be one of those fun divisions to watch. The Blue Jays really haven't done a whole lot, uh, sitting at five and five in their last ten games, but they're eight and ten right now. But um, the Yankees, yeah, they were they were quick to. Uh, kind of just jump off the bandwagon and just throw the team under the bus, say it's it, it's over, 19 games in. Um, but it'd be well, I mean, I, I will say one thing, though, is that the Yankees, um, you know, the concern is, that, I mean, in, in the past, they've been slow starters. I mean, heck, in 1998, they got off to a slow start. Then they ended up winning 114 games and winning another World Series. Um, you know, and that's the other thing is that, you know, the Yankees are off to a slow start, but it's also the Yankees. Like the Yankees and their their fans will complain about Brian Cashman all they want. I mean, look, maybe the Corey Kluber contract, they give him thirteen million for a guy who's barely pitched and is thirty five years old. They you know, I thought the Tyone trade was fine. You know, it was a nice acquisition, but the Yankee fans are trying to act as if this isn't a team that, you know, since 1995, they have made that is a in the past 25, 26 years, they've made the playoffs 22 times. Wow. They haven't had a losing season since, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't had a losing season since 1992. And Yankee fans are out here, you know, some of them are acting as if they live the hardest lives, po- lives possible. Like, 
you know, try being a Mets fan, you know, try being <laughs> the Cubs waited 108 years. You know, some Cubs fans like there, there are Cubs fans who never saw their team win a championship. Um, the Red Sox, you know, 1918 to 2004, I've heard stories about, um, you know, uh, I have, a, you know, we have, my family has family friends in Boston. I remember hearing about um, one of them, his, um, I believe it was his dad or I, maybe it was his grandfather who was born in 1918 and passed away before the Red Sox won in 2004. Like, oh, wow. you know, Yankee fans, if they go through a little bit of rough of a rough patch, I mean, it's like, well, it's about time almost for, to the rest <laughs> of the, ML, the rest of MLB's fan bases. That's like, all right, it's about time. But, you know, I'm sure they'll eventually get it together and they'll be just fine. I think, though, the Red Sox. Of any of the surprise teams atop their division right now, the Red Sox have the best chance, in my opinion. I was saying in the offseason, you know, it's a tough division, but don't you can never sleep on the Red Sox. 2013, they went from last place to winning the World Series. 2018, they were a strong roster, but um, not many people were picking them to win the World Series. Now, I think, you know, they have a nice uh, core with Alex Verdugo and Xander Bogart and Rafael Devers, who they're all hitting. Christian Vasquez is starting to heat up. They're the only offense in the majors that has over a hundred runs. Um, they're at one Oh three already through 19 games, which is over five runs per game. Their pitching rotation is improving. Nathan Eovaldi got Eduardo Rodriguez back. Um, Matt Barnes has been fantastic. Uh, soon they're going to get, what's his name? They're going to, or they're going to get Chris sale back at some point. Right. And we know that when he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think the Red Sox actually, they, I think the Red Sox are going to surprise people. I think if there's a team in that East that can steal the division from the Yankees and the Rays, you know, as much, you know, before the season, I said the, I picked the Blue Jays to make the World Series. But I really think that the Red Sox are going to surprise people. And I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs and, you know, go on a deep postseason run. It's very well possible that they could, especially if they continue to you know, keep going on the same track that they're on. I think getting Alex Cora back was a huge boost for this lineup. That whole year last year was obviously, I mean, for all these teams was difficult, but for the Red Sox, having him, you know, sit out that entire uh, season and then to get him back, it's almost like he's, they're, I don't want to call it a honeymoon phase, but it's, it's like, okay, you know, 2018, they win the World Series. They kind of struggled 2019. Uh, 2020 was, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, chalk that up to whatever we want to call it. It just didn't seem or feel right. But it's like the band's back together. You know, Chris Sale will be, will be back soon, like you mentioned. And they did go out and bring in a couple key p- uh, pitchers. You know, Garrett Richards was one of those guys. Um, but the Red Sox, I had them down in, towards the middle of the the, the division, with uh, the Yankees and Rays kind of there at the top. And uh, they're definitely surprising me, that's for sure. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this fares now come and then come September and October if this team is still at the top and we're talking about them at and the postseason. Um, but uh, one of the things I kind of want to just get your thoughts on real quick, and we do have a voicemail. I had some technical difficulties, but um, we'll still get to that question. Are the Brewers, are the Brewers the surprise team in the Central? 
You know, the Brewers, I think, are making a statement right now. Um, you know, they are a team who a lot of people in that uh, a lot of people were picking the um, the Cardinals to um, to win the division, and you know, after they got Nolan Arenado, and they already were on the upswing. All right, but the Brewers, if they're gonna win the division, it's gonna be because of their pitching, and I don't have enough good things to say about their starting pitching this year. Um, we already knew that Brandon Woodruff was a very talented pitcher. He was an all-star in 2019 and Corbin Burns came coming off a very good 2020 uh, in which he finished sixth in the Cy Young voting. He was uh, fantastic, but it was like, you know, a 60 game season. He had an ERA at almost nine in 2019. You know, I think the Brewers, they really need to get their offense going. That's the thing. You know, Yelich is out. They really don't have much going on the offensive front other than Omar Narvaez. Um, but, man, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff have been fantastic. Josh Hader has been fantastic. Devin Williams, though, has struggled. So if they're going to make the playoffs and win that division, I think they have a real chance to do that. But they really, really need the rest of the game to step up. I think that the starting rotation has been arguably the best in baseball. But, you know, you can't just rely on that to win. You can't, you know, the bullpen can't just rely on Josh Hader to get at, to pitch every game. You know, when Yelich comes back, they can't rely on Yelich to be the entire offense. I think my biggest critique on them coming into the season was that they were a top-heavy team. And, you know, I think that take still sort of stands right now, but my confidence in them has definitely increased uh, exponentially. Uh, since the season started, and uh, man, Corbin Burns might be a top ten pitcher by the end of the season if he's not already. So, um, I think the Brewers have a good shot. I mean, also, uh, Burns hasn't even walked the batter yet this season, which is yeah. insane. So, I think the Brewers. Um, I think honestly, they might have the best chance to win that division. Uh, the Reds have sort of fallen off, and the Cardinals are kind of a mess. So, I think the I think the Brewers honestly in a weak division, this might be theirs to lose. It's definitely a surprise to see the Cardinals at the bottom of the of this division when I had them so high up winning the division. I think a lot of us did. So it's definitely a surprise to see the Brewers at the top, the Cardinals at the bottom. But, you know, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Burns, 40 strikeouts and no walks. That's impressive just, just to start the season. Um so it's definitely one of these these things. Definitely, this, I mean, of course, the Central can go either way. Honestly, it's not one of the most competitive divisions. Not, not none of the teams are really like that star studded. Honestly, that's why right. a lot a lot of people thought once the Cardinals got Arenado, they were the clear favorite. But really, I mean, it's a I don't see a team that's like a clear favorite. Really, I I agree. It's just that's just how the, the Central is built. And we'll definitely keep an eye on it because it's going to be fun to watch if these teams kind of stay where they're at or if they've kind of flip-flop in their positions uh, within the division. So I uh, just want to get your thoughts on, on a couple of things that we've noticed just, you know, 19 games into the season, a little over three weeks or a little close to over two weeks, close to three weeks. Um, hopefully the trend will kind of see it's going to be up, it's going to be down. It's just one of those things we'll just find out as the season progresses. But uh, one last thing to kind of close the show out, we did get a, a voicemail right before the show started and I was having technical difficulty trying to, to play the, the, the clip. But I'm going to go ahead and just read the voicemail real quick. It comes from Robert. 
he just he asked, he goes, I just wanted to know what the panel's take was on Shohei Otani this year. And what do you what do you guys think you could be, you know, in a few years down the line? Thanks. So he's asking about Shohei Otani now and Shohei Otani in the future. So what do you, what are your takes on him? Well, uh, I'm really glad um, that he asked this question because I personally am a huge Shohei Otani fan. Um, as a lot of people may know, I am half Japanese. Um, I go to Japan almost every year to visit my grandmother, and I do get to go to baseball games out there. And when I was, uh, I think, in seventh grade, I happened to uh, be at a game where the Nippon Ham Fighters were playing, and Shohei Otani was playing the outfield that game. He was only 18 at the time, so he's still raw. Um, He wasn't uh, really developed yet, but um, I am really high on him. I think he's off to a great start this year, offensively, definitely. Um, He's got an OPS up above 1,000 with five homers already. Um, He can run fast. He can hit the ball. Um, I'm a little concerned about his pitching, though. Um, He is very, very wild on the mound. He's already walked, if I'm counting that right, 11 batters in eight and two-thirds innings. Um, That is a sign uh, that really, really concerns me there. Um, I want him to be a two-way player. I really want him to succeed. But his last start, he goes four innings, allows only one hit, strikes out seven, but he walked six batters in four innings. That's the second time he's done that his first game, he really started falling apart after the fourth inning. I think that, you know, he's doing great for now, but what I want to see is I, I don't think he's meant to be a starting pitcher. If he's meant to be, if he wants to keep pitching, I think try it as a reliever. Um, I just think that if he keeps doing starting pitching, it's going to, it's going to backfire eventually. And so I think if he wants to keep pitching great, but maybe try him as like a closer or something. Uh, his bat, though, his bat, he can really hang with the big boys with the bat. And right. I can't wait to see what he does with that. Yeah, you know, the exciting part about him was the fact that he can actually do both. He can actually pitch and hit and do it in a game at this level. Uh, one of the things that I have a concern with is when you're pitching, you're putting a lot of taxing on your body. It takes it exerts a lot of energy. And, of course, the recovery period, that's why guys go every five days is because they need that rest and that uh, recovery to kind of get the arm, you know, kind of it becomes so fatigued that it needs the rest. And then for him to go out and pitch, you know, five or six innings and then come out and, and hit, and then the next day he's in the lineup as a DH, I just don't see how that can actually be effective in the long term. It's fun to see it now because it's something we haven't seen, especially in this era of baseball. But I just don't think that he can hold up to that for the next, you know, four to five years, whatever his, whenever his rookie contract ends. But it's just, it's not, it's not feasible. I'm, I really think that he either needs to stick to hitting or stick to pitching. Now, maybe if he was in, in the National League where he can hit and pitch every five days, but then you kind of start as a hitter. I think that's where he's he's most effective as a hitter because of his raw power. 
and his ability to cover the field on defense. You know, pitching is great to see him light up the radar gun at 100 miles an hour, but it's just, it's not feasible. I, I think he's going to have to pick one or the other, and I really think he's just going to have to stick to just being a hitter. That's where he's going to be most effective, and that's probably where he's going to be uh, maybe garner the most money come free agency for him. And that's just my opinion on him. Um, like I mentioned, he, it is it is great to see as far as uh, the the, the two way dimensional player, but I don't think it'll last. I want you know the other thing is that he like he doesn't play the field. He is either pitching or he's DHing. Um, I don't know if he you know he was an outfielder when he was in Japan, but he wasn't very good defensively. Uh, he he runs fast. I mean. I think that, you know, I don't know if that would add value to him if he was a position player, you know, stick him out in the outfield and then you bring him in to pitch later in the game, like as a reliever. But I mean, either he picks one or the other, which I think he should probably pick hitting. He's really good at hitting. He's electric stuff on the mound. I mean, he can throw fast. He's got wicked breaking stuff. That splitter of his is also fantastic. I just... He doesn't have enough command, in my opinion, to keep going as a starting pitcher. And the Angels desperately do need pitching, but when he's averaging over one walk per inning, I it just it, that's not going to be enough to make it in the big leagues. So right. he's got an electric arm. I think definitely if he wants to stick around as a reliever, he can. But for now, his bat's where he's going to make money. Uh, he just. Every time he makes contact, I feel like he does something impressive. So uh, it'll be really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see where it goes from here because, I mean, he's honestly, he's one of the most exciting players in baseball to watch. He honestly, he might be, he might be one of the most talented players we've ever seen. He's, yeah. lit- oh. he's literally uh, the Japanese Babe Ruth. I mean, he can hit and pitch really well. Absolutely. I, 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 well, actually, I'll probably be able to get to see him this weekend. I'm going to a game. So I'll be able to see him you know, live and in person. I don't know if he's pitching. Uh, I don't think he is uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think Zach Grinke is pitching. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be able to see him in, in the flesh and kind of see what kind of dy- dynamic player is. But uh, I got one final question for you. What is it like at a Japanese game versus a American game? Um, I will say Japanese baseball games are some of the most fun uh, baseball games I've ever been to. Um, it's very, very different from a major league game. Uh, you go there and there's, what is it? There's uh, sections designated for both teams. Um, they come, it's almost like a college event with like bands and stuff. Players have like their own theme songs that they play throughout the <laughs> at bats, which are super catchy and super fun. Uh, you have like noisemakers and, uh, you know, um, the stadiums are always sold out. I, I uh, it's mo- mostly indoor stadiums, which it gets very hot in the summer in, in Japan. So it's a good thing that it is a lot of stadiums are indoor, but I mean, it's so fun. It's the most fun I've ever had. I mean, you know, you go there, the atmosphere is electric, no matter how bad the team is fans will fill the stadiums so it's it's honestly a ton of fun you can get a ton of cool food uh, a lot of cool gear um and you know you get to hear 
you, you have to hear the the bands all game. You get to wave your rally towels. It, it's I honestly wish Major League Baseball was more like the NPB because what they do out there, man, it's it's always it's always a good time. I mean, <laughs> I, I I wish that was the case here. Well, definitely something Major League Baseball needs to look into to kind of bring more uh, fans and more atmosphere, more electricity to the game. So, but uh, but Mac, I appreciate you coming on. It's been great having you on, talking some baseball. A lot of uh, interesting things that have been happening, especially you know behind the scenes with minor league baseball. And hopefully, we can try to advocate for those players and try to get them get paid some more. You know, that's uh, that's the the goal is uh, for minor league players. But I appreciate you coming on this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always a pleasure being on here. I I certainly appreciate it, and it's always fun talking baseball with you guys. So, um, But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Please remember to subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, or Spotify. The show is a part of the Podcast City Network. Please be sure to head on over there and check out all the amazing podcasts. And thanks to Robert for sending a voicemail. I apologize for not being to be able to get that on the air, but uh, if you have a voicemail... And you would like a, a question, you would like to leave a voicemail, please give us a call at 210-263-3253. That's to do it for this episode, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Rip Griffin Show. Make sure to subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms. Follow Rip on Twitter at RipGriffin2.